1: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
2: I'm Ivan. And tonight we review week three of the Traitors UK on the only podcast by the people who've been there, done that, got a t-shirt and in one case got the cloak. This is episode 28 of It's Just a Game. They didn't let me keep the cloak though. <laughs>
3: Because I'm back south now. I'm in Cornwall again for the first time in ten months, and driving oh. down, I could feel there was a fifty-mile headwind. Because it was like it felt like the whole car was going through treacle. I got to the the cliff path. I live right on the cliff, and the wind was strong enough that I could literally lean into it, and it held me up. And that is the coolest thing that has ever happened to me. That is. I'm, cool. I'm sorry. Forget the intro, Ryan. Let's talk about wind. Wind is an amazing <laughs> thing because imagine the amount of air that has to be going past you for you it to hold you up. Imagine how
4: much air that has to be. Do you know what I mean? I'd want to really take my dog out and just see if it blows it away and
3: I'll hold it and pull it back. Is it a dog? Is it a kite? It could be either. Maybe
2: both. <laughs> anyway, if you've just joined us, hello uh, and welcome to episode 28 of It's Just a Game, the podcast where we watch reality TV so you don't have to... Every week, we're here to look at the strongest plays, the funniest moments, and the maddest moves of your favorite reality TV shows. This week, we're back with the series we have so much to say about, The Traitors UK. And it's week three. It's been a very busy week. If you don't know me, it happens. My name is Ryan, and I did let that sink in. (laughs) Joining me every week is the man who I never thought I'd trust with a glass of rosé. Wilf. Hello, Wilf. How are you?
4: I'm all right, mate. I'm all right, mate. I'm, yeah,
2: just living life and the man who could form a detective geo with jazz on daytime itv <laughs> ivan hello ivan
3: Hello, I'm not living life, I'm afraid. So it's like we're lucky because we can't both live life at the same time. So Will, you live your life and then when you're done, just text me or whatever and I'll start living mine. That's all right. Can you, can Cheers, you pick fine. it up
2: there because I can't deliver it today?
3: Yeah, no, I can, can collect. Can and will collect. That's yeah, fine. You can, you yeah. can collect. Yeah.
2: Anyway, let's jump right in. Now, as always, we're entering a spoiler zone. So if you haven't seen episodes one to nine of The Traitors UK, go away <laughs> and come back when you're done. If you have seen them, stay right there. This will be an action-packed episode of the podcast because we all know it's really hard to focus on both the show and Twitter at the same time where Ivan and I deliver excellent content.
4: I've seen a couple of virals from you guys. I've seen a couple (laughs) of virals.
2: And wait... There's a brand new thread inspired by Ivan coming. Uh, it's the traitors, series two contestants as Eurovision acts.
3: The perfect intersection of our, our Twitter following is just exactly there <laughs> <I'm>, right <laughs> now.
2: <laughs> but look, we know it's hard to focus. So, Ivan, you can remind us of what's gone down in the past week on the traitors UK recurring oh segment. Ivan, God. what's been going on, Ivan? Ivan, what's been going on?
3: I'm glad you asked Ryan So episode 7 Miles is shook To see Diane at breakfast But when everyone arrives We know something's up Claudia in funeral gear Announces that one of the faithful Was poisoned And will die during the mission But poison is a visible biscuit The gang replay yesterday And they're focusing on drinks Amongst all the drinks poured, Diane recalls Evie and Miles pouring her a drinky poo. The mission is a funeral guessing game, and because the traitors know who's poisoned, they're really having to hide here. Diane, Evie, and Paul climbing coffins, but 90s comedy duo Harry and Paul immediately jump on the Miles bandwagon, and the faithful are suspicion of Paul, too. Ah! Uh Thank you. Miles isn't helping himself by telling people to stop looking at the drinks thing. Maybe it's the edit, but Miles is the only name on anyone's lips. They take Diane's words on it. are amongst that, Paul really exposes himself by going ham on Miles at the round table. Miles accuses Paul back, both using packets of biscuits by this point to bonk each other. And Harry is able to just... Seed the idea to Jack. Jack or Zack, kind of halfway between the two. Zack <laughs> That they're both traitors. Inevitably, Miles is banished. Paul, like an emergency dinghy, is visibly in floods, thank you, convincing at least Charlatan Ross that he's faithful. They're given the opportunity to recruit and choose. Um. Andrew. Episode 8. The traitors recruit Andrew as no more than traitor meat, but he accepts and refuses to trust either of them. They lie and tell him he's here to win. At breakfast, the gang figure out there's been an attempted recruitment, and Andrew pretends he doesn't know what that word means. Paul, like a cold sore epidemic, is on a lot of people's lips. But there's also suspicion on Jazz and Zach. Jack. The mission is a crossbow sorry, ballista, stained glass shooting gallery. Molly gets a shield. Paul's trying to plant seeds on Harry. Harry's planting seeds on Paul. They're like a couple of rival guards Zack confronts Paul (laughs) in the corridor and everyone hears, even Charlotte's doubting Paul now. In the round table, Harry lays down a perfect case on Paul. A Ryan-rivaling level of lawyerness. It's honestly incredible. Slightly too incredible. There's still a lot of heat on jazz. Everyone thinks he's deflecting like mad. Nobody thinks he's making any sense. But it is Paul who's banished with plenty of votes for jazz. Like Ryan and his STDs, he's caught two in two nights. (laughs) Someone pushes over a chair. The faithful want to elect Harry as president. They think the traitors are running scared. They're not episode nine. Charlotte, like a tea freshness inspector, thinks Jasmine has gone bad. <laughs> Charlie's been murdered, erasing my start of season preds in a single fucking sweep. <laughs> Molly brands Harry a traitor hunter and wonders why he's still there, but infers that it must be Charlotte, not Harry. Molly. What? Jazz confides in Evie. He suspects Ross and Harry because of the pool conversation. Charlotte and Jasmine are gunning for each other. The mission is a holiday home, a tunnel escape. Harry cuddles a skelly for a shield and opts to keep it secret. Evie stays back to light the way for others. Jasmine and Charlotte go off on the round table. Zach gets involved too and it gets a little personal, but it's Charlotte who's banished. The traitors recruit Ross, the fifth male traitor of the season, men. After asking why they murdered Diane, he secretly vows to have his revenge on Harry. And that is where we are now. So
2: much to go over. In a minute, we'll chat about Paul's downfall, of course. We'll chat about the faithful strategy, about Jazza to Christie. We'll chat about breakfast, the recruitments, whether the faithful still have a chance and all of that. But first, let's start with the rosé drummer iron drinks the glass. Oh, my God. I mean, good move for Miles. He managed, um, you know. At first, we thought he was going <laughs> to get away with it.
4: But was it a good move? <laughs> it was the, probably, like, the most obvious. The amount of times he asked to what that road <laughs> And was, I felt so sorry for him. Obviously, I watched that episode with him um, in the hotel, right? And yeah. I spoke to him about it, and he was... I felt so sorry because he was unsuspected completely ne- mm. never got mentioned he was being a bit quiet at the round table and doing the i don't know thing um, which is quite dangerous get going later into the game it's all right to do it at yeah. the beginning but later on in the game when seeds are being planted everywhere you can't really just say you don't know but yeah and then all of a sudden he's just there He's just, he's he's there and everybody knows it's him. And Diane, everyone listens to Diane. Obviously, Diane's the one who who yeah. said it. And I think, quickly, quickly, I think that it was a really bad decision by Paul um, to get rid of Diane. She was one of his, he's 100% faithfuls. Uh, so that was the first little step into Paul's downfall, not like major downfall mm-hmm. anyway. That's what I think.
3: I mean- yeah. I think it's really fascinating how it went from miles being not suspected at all to miles being banished. And, um, obviously we don't see everything in terms of the TV edit, but I think that it was a a poison chalice, but in the other direction, where whoever handed a glass of wine to whoever was really going to be, you know, there's going to be so many visible biscuits flying around the next day. And we saw that, like, look how well the faithfuls do when provided with actual concrete evidence. It's kind of crazy. I'm beginning to understand why they can't give the faithfuls more information like we've been crying out for, because they'll just do it. They'll just figure it out. And like, Diane very clearly says, if I die, it's Miles. If Paul dies, it's Jazz. And then she dies, and they go for Miles, but there was a lot of misplay. I mean, I think the way Miles kept being like, let's stop looking at drinks. How about lip salve? Anyone have any lip salve? I was like, oh, come on, mate, you know, and that was really, really glaring. And then the way that Paul and Miles argued as well, I think Paul didn't have a good day either. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, overall it was, it was a fascinating day, but I think what did it for Miles was just how hard that mission was and how difficult it would be for anyone to get away with that. I felt
4: really sorry for Miles when I was speaking to him. I said, because they were trying to redirect where the poison came from, and he told me that somebody thought it was a Pringle and
1: <laughs> someone was like <laughs> The Poison Pringle
4: It was a Pringle and I was like the Poison Pringle I was so, um there was one bit that was so I felt so sorry for him I was sitting with him and there's a part where he goes to walk into the billiards room and they're all talking about him and Paul and Harry are like saying it's Miles it's Miles and he's just oh. listening outside and my heart sank mm. just thinking and he was sitting there with me and I, I, it, was, it was really hard You know that
3: feeling as well you can feel when the cast turning against you it's it's yeah. such a horrible feeling
2: i've said it before you can really feel the walls clothing in on you in that castle yeah. Um, yeah the thing with this whole story is i can't help but feel like he's been a little bit stitched up there oh
3: fully not
1: a little bit of course he has he
2: was always going to get caught and i don't know if he was stitched up by paul and harry who managed to convince him to do this was he stitched up a little bit of production who let diane stay alive the next day without telling him I don't think it's what I think production have
4: done. I don't think they've purposely done anything to to one specific person. But but what I think they've done is realized from season one, actually it's very hard for the faithful if there's no kind of things that people can mess up on. Right. Yeah. like The kiss of death is really easy because Amanda used to kiss everyone goodbye a lot of the time. So, but this, it seems like they've put things in place and mechanics in place so the traitors do find it hard at times, like, and they do have little things they yeah. can mess up on. So they can actually investigate and not just do chance.
2: I think it was obviously just a case that, yeah, look, the Fatals weren't doing good. They needed a visible biscuit. They needed a crumb they could use. And they gave him that poison and Chalice mission just at the right time. It was
4: his mistake, though. It was his mistake because he said to Paul, so I spoke to him multiple times now since, Miles is one of the people that give drink, people drinks at the bar. So he was like, oh, it just seems more... Open and honest. If it just comes mm. from me, and that was
3: a mistake by him, I think. I was just going to say, you know, they did the kiss, they did the, the, and I see why they went from that to drinks because, you know, we've talked about the same thing when designing games. You know, it's, it's like it, it's so easy to sort of like, what are the things that you could do that like could blend in? Would it be a dance? Would it be a high five? Like, it's not going to be. Oh, I don't know, the macarena of death because it's so bloody <laughs> like stand up. Imagine if Claudia comes to <laughs> the next day and be like, and I'm gonna head i head I'm gonna Now, now, that's a little clue as to who might have killed you. And Diane's like, I do remember. <laughs> once, just once, randomly, Miles asked me to do the Macarena with him. So, like, a drink is something. Do you know what I mean? A drink, a drink, like, it, it's kind of hideable, but it's still difficult because how often do you hand someone a drink that late into the evening? Like, yeah, at the beginning of the, If they were told at lunchtime, mm. it would have been fine. But the fact that the drinks had already gone and been replenished, oh, it was tough.
4: Yeah, well, that's what I said to Miles. How many drinks were you actually allowed? Because we only got one, right? And they all disappeared. He said, so that night they got two or three like they, they got replenished mm-hmm. so obviously the next day you're going to think if they talk about poison you go it's got to be drinks because they it's the first time they have gave us more than one and restocked the
3: fridge like mm. you yeah. know what i mean so that's a reason to metagame yeah
4: yeah 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 but in terms of meta analysis and looking at it that you'd look at that and think okay because when you it's like what what we do right when you play a game you think about what producers do You try and think beyond just the game. You try to metagame. Yeah, yeah. you metagame, and then you can sort of understand what's happening a bit more.
3: It's difficult with that as well, because if you metagame, you're not allowed to talk about it live on camera, right? So, you know, people were metagaming all the time. Of course you were. And they did so well at making sure that was mostly impossible. But the more you see the show and the longer you're in the show, you do start figuring it out. And actually about that, the task was at night, and then they had, they went back and had the round table, but that was clearly the next day. But like maybe lunchtime the next day, which meant that that evening when they did the poisoning must have been three three times as long so they could get that scene done. And also mm. they could call them all in for confessionals so the three traitors could read the letter saying you have to murder. Because if only three of them went for confessionals at that point, they'd be like, well, that's us so in order to actually pull off this scene, they had to spend, I reckon, about half the day or more setting it up to make it not seem suspicious. So, like, it's not as easy as just, like, it's a normal evening. They definitely had to really devote some resources to it. Yeah.
2: Still, at the end of the day, it was uh, sad to see Miles go. But one thing I do want to applaud him for is I think he really showed you uh, how, you know, in the round table you go up against a traitor like... While staying within the confines of i think the spirit of the game he never he never went oh paul you're accusing me well it's you paul you're the traitor He just mm-hmm. tried to set up arguments and he tried to, to play the game the right way and then he stood up and said i'm a traitor and he left and i probably applauded him for that because it's i can see what you might want to like you know throw another traitor under the bus you know parting gift them but he didn't you can see now
4: um where traitors are making, in this season, traitors are making really good arguments at the round table. And when they lose, they're just taking the loss. Like, yeah. okay, fair enough, you beat me at the table. Like, do you know what I mean? So I respect everybody who's gone out so far, who's just gone out and been like, yeah, cool, I'll take the loss.
3: Mm-hmm. Massive respect. And the, and the joy with which they do it as well. It's It really is only the traitors who are able to say I'm a traitor and smile and walk away. You know, in Paul's case, bow. In Mars's case, giggle. It's like, good lads, good lads, well done. You enjoyed it. We did
2: too. But alas, uh, the game must move on. And the game does move on with the recruitment. Uh, An interesting recruitment. You can tell Paul and Harry walk into that turret, actually quite quite cocky, quite pleased with what they've done. They've managed to get a traitor. It's just the two of them. Boys, boys, boys. And they decide to recruit. And it really sort of backfires. I mean... You're Andrew. You did not want to be recruited. Now you're stuck with two very close traitors, Paul and Harry. uh, And you're sort of like the third one out. And you've got a strong boys alliance of two boys, Harry and Paul. And they're very much like sort of playing this. And you know, they're probably going to play this against you. And so I guess the question is, if you're Andrew, you know, you're a circuit breaker. How do you play this? How do you move on from there? Do you even have a chance of, safeguarding a position in the game when you know you're a secret like you're going to be the circuit breaker? Well f-
4: I think he's done pretty good, to be fair, so far. I think he's still under the like he's not on anyone's radar. If yeah. people trust him enough, he he could go for Harry if he wanted to at some point because Harry's name's being thrown about. He could jump on that bandwagon mm-hmm. because Harry has made a couple of mistakes as well. Like, being over-analytical and all that sort of stuff. He's like, he's psychic, do you know what I mean? But, yeah, so I think Andrew's doing pretty good. I think he's playing the game well and should keep doing what he's doing, making Harry think that he's in charge. And
3: I think Andrew and Ross might pair up and do Harry over. As soon as you become a traitor, your survival strategy changes, right? Because you just want to keep your name out of people's lips. Like if you're worried about Harry and then now Ross and at some point Paul as well selling you down the river, you first of all got to make sure that people aren't going to go, yeah, Andrew is dodgy. So, and he's done that. No one's talking about Andrew as a traitor. Therefore, he's doing great. As soon as people are talking about Andrew as a possible traitor, the other traitors are going to use that and get rid of him. But until that point, the traitors will have to instigate the attack on him, which is very, very vulnerable making, as you've seen with Harry against Paul. So it's good. He's doing great. Um, I think he's got a bigger chance of winning than Harry and Ross right now, but that's
1: a different thing.
2: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have our guesses as to who's most likely to win in the second. Uh, I guess the second recruitment then is Ross. It's also a big recruitment. Um, a few thoughts there. The first one is... Come on, people. At one point you've got to stop letting them recruit. It's six bloody traitors in a series of twenty two players. That is I know it's in the rules, it's in the traitors' rules, but it's just stacking the game in favor of the traitors. And I think it's a little bit taking the piss there. Uh, you know, like you might as well say, Oh yeah, we really want a traitor to win if you're gonna keep letting them recruit uh six traitors in the course of a twenty two player game. That's just insane. That's over twenty five percent of traitors.
4: Am I right to say that a third of the players left now are are uh, traitors uh three eights three eights is i mean at this point where we're at yeah three eights is is
3: yeah way more than a third
4: yeah, yeah yeah so so that's pretty deep really isn't it i think they've got a really high chance of winning and i sort of feel sorry for them because they've had so many opportunities to recruit i it's so weird because at t- i really want the traitors to win yeah but then at the same time it's i've got to a point where i'm like do i because <laughs> I like Jazz so much. I think Jazz is doing so well. I'm like, actually, he's doing really well. But now that was my that was my thinking during episode nine. And then when Ross got recruited, I was like, Oh, I'm back to the traitors now, I think. Like it's weird. I keep switching a
3: little bit in my brain the last couple of episodes. The thing that people keep saying to me on that like, because I've had this, I've been involved in the discourse a bit online about this, mm. um, this stacking the deck in the traitors' yeah. favour, and the, 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 a lot of people agree. And some people who disagree say, "Well, the clues in the name—it's called the traitors. It's about the traitors. What we want to see is the traitors backstabbing each other." But and I that that's fine but i think then the name of the trade the name of the show is the traitors because it's exciting to see if they survive not which of them survive otherwise you just make them all traitors at the beginning right and mm-hmm. i think you want to re- you want to reward the faithful catching them and make the traitors feel like they're running scared but the fact that they can always recruit and ha- go up to three rather than up to two to me is like okay so basically what you're telling me is you want to have two traitors in the final and i think it's not about how many um round tables there are left because they can have infinite round tables because they could just keep keep getting rid of them. The point for me is that you are making it overpowered for the sake of the show always lasting exactly 12 episodes. And I think there's ways around that. I think we can really do a deep dive here, but I think there's a possibility that every so often the series ends and the final episode has no traitors at all, but the faithful don't know. And that's its own exciting thing. Generally going into episode 12, there's no murder anyway, so they wouldn't know about it. I think at this point you shouldn't be able to um, recruit up to three. I think as of next episode, you shouldn't be able to recruit up to two so that we have one Minimum, but also potentially just one Traitor in the penultimate episode, episode 11. As it stands, you always have two in the penultimate episode, because then you always have one in the last episode. Yeah, I think it's time to give that up. I think if we want this, and I get it. I get that that's fun. I get the show's about the Traitors. If we want the series to last more than five series in the UK, they have to let that go.
2: And I'm sorry, but I actually very much disagree with the idea that this show is about seeing the traitors and how they backstab each other. I think the traitors backstabbing each other is one way the traitors get caught and it's. As we've seen in the past, usually the main way the traders get caught. But in my opinion, that's not what makes the game entertaining. There's many other ways traders can get caught. The game is about, for me, seeing the faceballs, find the traitors. It's about seeing this fight, uh, this clash of two divisions, of two sides. It's not about just seeing backstabbings Because actually, I'm getting a tiny bit bored of the only way traders are getting caught, at least in the edit being just a backstab like it's fun for the first few backstabs after a while i'd like to see different ways and i think they could show that in the edits because we can see some of the faithfuls know what they're doing but people like evie people like Dad, who actually are onto the traitors before
3: the backstabs and you know the way you make the traitors work together is by making them scared for their life. Right now they're not scared for their life because they know whatever happens, there's gonna be more of them. You make them run scared and that's when they work together and it becomes a team game again. It's not a team game right now because the traitors know there's always gonna be more of them and that's Mm. not the way it works. So we need to change that. And also people have been saying to me online again, like, oh, this means the game doesn't start till episode nine. Mate, I know that was my strategy in series one. And you know, it's what Jazz is doing this series. If you want to make it feel more legitimate as a traitor hunting game, you've got to, you've just got to change it now. It's too, not too late. You've got to change it now.
4: I think because the first series was so entertaining because of the backstab people have watched it and realized that's what's really entertaining. The producers have gone, that's really entertaining. But the thing is, I want to see, like, okay, fair enough. This season's going to be all about the backstabbings and multiple traitors, and then the mm-hmm. next season, they'll hope for a different narrative. And yes. But hopefully we do as well, and I hope the producers think, actually, let's recruit traitors that want to actually work together and go to the end without backstabbing each other. So it shows a different narrative. But is that as entertaining? Is that BAFTA-worthy? I don't know. I think it could very well be.
3: Yeah. Look, you can't keep telling the same story every year. We don't watch yeah. the same series of a series of The Wire, right? There's five because you want to watch five different stories being told. They've got to make sure it feels different every year. And actually, it's been brilliant this year because it has felt different. They've been merciless, and it's great. But we can't have the same again. They've got to take that risk.
2: I'm getting a little bit bored of the probe of, you know, traitors back backstabbing each other and that's the only way the game progresses. I think series three needs to move on from that.
4: It's like the traitors, yeah. one's banished, one one's recruited, one's banished, one's recruited. It's a it's a bit too much like that at the moment. And I think people are really scared to turn it turn um a recruitment down. Like turn because Obviously, last season we did it with Alex. You turn it down, you get murdered, and we wanted to set a premise. And I think they they would follow that premise as well. Uh, but then, you know what you do? You say no, and you let everybody let you get a shield. Mm.
2: Yeah, but that's a risky strategy. You're sort of counting your days as soon as you do that. And I think we see this in Ross's thinking. Ross doesn't want to become a traitor. But he appreciates that if he doesn't, he's gone. And that's the game over for him. And he might get a shield once. Sure, he might survive one day. He's going to have to get three shields in a row. And that's reasonably difficult, especially if the traitors could work to try to prevent him to get that shield. So it's, it's a risky strategy at this stage in the game. I think the way people play the game now, you can never not accept the recruitment offer
3: um the only reason you'd ever do it is as you kind of said there ryan to weaponize it that day so you say no you come to breakfast you say what happened and you weapon which to be fair is kind of what alex tried to do but you weaponize it against a traitor so he goes i figured it all out and and you know it's it's his revenge arc right if he wanted to get instant revenge then in episode 10 we would see him turn it down come in say i was they tried to recruit me they didn't manage it's harry let's go for harry i'll prove you right that would have been really interesting but he still doesn't have as much power, and we know you get more power as a traitor. So why would you ever say no?
4: So well, wouldn't it be good to go in the re- go into breakfast, right? Hopefully, going in before anybody's even murdered comes in says it straight away. Nobody's getting murdered, by the way, guys. Because I got re- I got off- offered the recruitment, I turned it down. You can banish me tonight, and you'll find out that I turned it down. But that is the truth.
3: Oh, that's so good because then you get immediate confirmation or people start saying, well, what are the other worlds in which this could have happened? I wonder if they're not allowed. That's so interesting, Will. Love that. I think the
2: concern with throwing at breakfast is you give, you know, the other traitors the whole day to defend themselves against, uh, against mm-hmm. you. You know, if you make a big point at breakfast, you give them a lot of time to prepare a defense. But equally, that is probably the best. Like, who will doubt you, uh, especially with this group of faithfuls, who will doubt you if you say it early at breakfast?
3: What would you guys say to the strategy of accepting the recruitment and then coming in the next morning and saying you turned it down? What would you say about that?
2: Risky. And I think you might actually make it worse mm-hmm. with the faithful scam because if you turn it down and people don't entirely believe you and they'll just, to make sure, banish you at night, you then turn out to be a traitor. And at that case, at that point, uh, people are just convinced that you're always a traitor and it was just all a big lie. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a risky strategy. We saw it in the first US series. I it just... It it's very much something I realised on luck at that
3: point. Yeah, I think you're right. It's too much of a risk. It's not worth it. it. As we said, with Andrew, you get recruited, you want to stay under the radar at that point. You just want to keep hidden because the other traitors will just jump on it at that point. They'll be like, great, perfect. We only brought you in to kill you. Here we go. That's your chance done.
2: I guess that brings me on to the question of strategy for Ross because Ross, in fact, isn't trying, well, at least from what we see uh, in the very last few minutes of episode nine, he's not trying to stay... Quite there, he's trying to sort of avenge his mother, and it's an interesting thing because obviously Paul couldn't know that strategically this is a race. This is potentially a mistake because he couldn't know that they were related, that you know they were mother and son. Mm. Obviously, I'm not sure if Ross actually has it in him to like avenge his mother and to actually go up against the traitors and fight them. So I'm not convinced anything's actually going to come out of this. Maybe a bit of bravado here. But equally, I guess the question is, if you're Ross, what is your next move? How do you go about avenging your mother? Well, bearing in mind, the point is still to stay in the game. Wilf?
4: Um, uh, it's so weird because he's... They have, they're using him as a scapegoat again, isn't it? Aren't they? So it's, yeah. is he strong enough to come up with the strategy to be able to get rid of someone? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but he also has been having conversations with jazz. And, um, I feel like he's got some friends in there who are quite influential in terms of jazz and mate, you know, the traitors could have just said no. And I think it would have been better strategy for them. So we said no as well. We had to, we went to
3: recruit again and we said no.
2: But then Harry loses the opportunity to do his little trick with the uh, with the shield. Really,
3: they had to recruit because of that. To be honest, if I'm rot- if I'm Ross at this point, I'm going to torpedo Harry's plan by as soon as Harry pulls out his shield, being like, "You're clearly a traitor." That's a cover. I would go in. That morning, and would be like, yeah, you're obviously a traitor. You didn't get murdered. You never have got murdered. This is just another cover for it. That's his only chance. I think, I think if we see that happen at breakfast, bloody brilliant because Harry's, Harry's uh, strategy here with the shield is so multifaceted. It's so good, but it's not foolproof. It needs one person to call that the emperor's got no clothes and be like, nah, mate, you're a traitor. And it's a really good ruse. And if Ross is the one to do it. I see Harry going that day.
2: And I think you can railroad that strategy actually reasonably easily because you could ask the question okay, Grove, even if you got a shelf that one night, you were a traitor hunter for like the past few episodes. How come you survived last night for starters? Like yeah. something is clearly off. Like you should have been dead ages ago. No traitor would keep you in the game, especially the same group of traitors that removed people like Diane because they were a threat.
3: Yeah, and the other thing you could do is if people start saying uh, they think you're a traitor, be like, okay, I've got something to say. Diane's my mum. I wouldn't murder her. We were yeah. in this together. We were a team. Now, yeah. you, lose a lot of, you lose a lot of traction there, obviously. People are like, what? You didn't tell us. You're lying to us. We know what it's like when you lie now. You're clearly a liar. But that's another... That's a, t- that's a bomb you can just chuck in at any point. Like, if I were a traitor, why would I have killed my mum? Yeah. Bam.
4: With Harry, I just feel... He's playing a great game, but at the same time, he was way too he spoke way too much at the round table when he got rid of Paul. When I think you didn't have to go that, go that into too much into detail. It was like, he was hes clearly a traitor. He's just said everything that the traitors were planned and everyone thinks he's like Sherlock Holmes, but I don't really think it was a great strategy because people have clicked on it a tiny bit. They've got it in their brain, but they haven't, it hasn't sunk in. You know, they kept saying he was very articulate, very detailed, like he's really good, blah, blah, he's a traitor hunter. And I think someone will click at some point and go, Actually, that was a bit too much.
3: He's done He's done the two things, which, like, the more I see, the more I think are actual really, really good, or not guarantees, but really good indicators. The guilt cry post-banishment and being a traitor hunter. If I'm seeing someone do both of those things, it's red flags. It's red flags ahoy. Alarm bells.
2: One other interesting thing
3: in the way
2: um, Harry approaches this game we're talking about it is, as soon as Paul is gone, you know what? There's an... It's something in that show just shows that power corrupts because as soon as yeah, Paul is gone, he gets really cocky and he feels the shoes of Paul and he starts to get quite, I don't know, like this, this sort of ego builds quite quickly. He really stepped into the, the shoes in a big space left by, uh, by Paul's ego departing the castle. It, it's fascinating to see. It just shows how power seems to corrupt you. I didn't like the way he said he's his traitor baby.
4: And he's going to train him. But I think there's going to be two downfalls, two powerful downfalls. Paul was really strong downfall. I I would like the Traitors to win. I keep switching. I, I want Harry to win, but then is he getting a bit too cocky for me not to mm. want him to win? I'm not sure. I'm really like, I need to see episode 10 to make a decision.
2: <laughs> I think what buried him for me and a lot of people was that final comment about Diane um, at the end, where he goes... She got too big for her boots or something, were not it? Yeah. And... That made me think, uh, you're too cocky about this. I don't like this. This will be your downfall mm-hmm.
3: and I will be glad. I think either he'll go because of Ross or he'll go in the final because of Jazz. Um, You know, Jazz has got the thing over him with the whole conversation with Paul and him uh, and Ross has got a reason to try and get rid of him. So I think he'll go either 10 or 12. I do think he'll go. I don't think he'll win. Similarly, I do think Ross will go. So uh, the only of these three traitors I can see winning is Andrew. Do
2: we think Jazz... Actually, we'll make it far enough to tell that tale of Paul and Harry in that conversation. I'm not sure. I think sooner or later, especially when you get towards the end of the show, the traitors start being a bit more ambitious because they realise that there's not that much time left to catch them, and they might just take a slightly more risky move, just go straight for Jazz, get rid of him, not waste any more time, not let him make it to the final where he could wreak havoc.
4: I think Jazz is... um... I think Jazz is a really strong player. I think he's played his timings amazing, and I think he'll know this is the time to drop that conversation in right now because I need to save myself. He will know the time when to actually come out and say it, and that's that's why he's gone so far because the traitors know he's really good, but it's too obvious to kill him. I think Jazz will make
3: it to the final. Yeah, me too. I think I think he, I think he's final. Final bound.
2: Well, while we're on the um on the faithfuls, we'll get to Paul's down for a minute. But first can we just talk about the Faithfuls generally? It's been another interesting week in Faithful World. Obviously two victories against the traitors, and yet still some um questionable arguments at the round table. Obviously, we know we've got uh, we've got Charlotte who obviously I love her and obviously it's sad she's gone, but it's hilarious seeing how she's willing to just go to bat for Paul and Harry. Two things I disliked with the way she approached it was that she was being quite aggressive to Zach at one point and she called, was was it Charlie? She called Jasmine aggressive for accusing her of being a traitor and I was like, sorry, mm, I don't like one that's the end of the game. Two, I don't like don't like where you're going
3: with this. Uh, I'm not a fan. Jasmine is excellent at calling people out at the round table. Like there's a number of times when she's just really lanced them. And, you know, she's not afraid to say about the way people are talking. And she does so in a way that really shuts them down. It's very effective. She is, I would be really scared if she were trying to go for me because I think I wouldn't have a chance.
4: Can we say yeah. it's really some of the strongest faithfuls have lasted this long. Normally they, they sort of get murdered like i I would have like diane would have been murdered straight away with me (laughs) like she would have been very very quick obviously they couldn't because she was looking at harry but there's diane there's jazz i think jazz i would have sort of but he's you you we only see as viewers how good he is because he's so he's hiding it really well but there's some strong faithfuls left you know there really is i do think the will win but there are some very strong faithfuls
2: But I don't know. That's the thing, actually. Some people are playing the game in a way where they appreciate that they have to be quiet. I think Jazz understands that he needs to stay in the background, be quiet. People accuse him of being inconsistent. But it all makes sense when you read this through the prism of him trying to actively stay, um, you know, under the radar by getting it wrong, equally Diane probably didn't need to murder her quite early on because for a while she was just going scattergun making really random guesses that were wrong I mean she spent a lot of time accusing Anthony just because he looked at her the wrong way when they were lining up in front of the castle, so she wasn't that much of a threat for a while
4: Yeah, yeah it's true I think it's it's a really really interesting series really I, I, I'm really enjoying it mm. um, I would like to see, Molly started to um, speak up yeah. a little bit
3: because um, i was getting scared of her just sail- sailing to the final because she's quiet um if she does sail through to the final it's because harry has her back and harry wants her in the final because she's never going to vote for him so i think that's it's a bit of a wilf and hannah situation where you know yeah. both both molly and hannah are perfectly capable of thinking for themselves they've just made the mistake of trusting a traitor or is it a mistake i mean hannah won so <laughs> it could be worse for molly it could definitely be worse
2: it may well be it because molly's probably the uh the biggest traitor supporter left in the castle right now um mm-hmm. but yeah honestly i'm fascinated to see how these faithfuls do it i would hope the edit focuses on them a bit more in the final run now the game really is about the faithful finding traitors you know i want to see more of the molly evie uh jasmine jazz jazz we see a fair bit of but still i want to see these people that have so far I've been a bit in the background, but you can tell that they actually can think for themselves and you can tell that they know what they're doing in that game. That's really good. And I wanna see where where they take it.
3: Um all right. I'd like to just quickly bring in then the recurring segment since we're talking about who's left. Right here we go with who you got? Who's your guy?
1: Uh, I'm no. really sorry, guys. I,
3: I, you know, I you know I did win Survivor and I won it with a plum, but I am out. I am done. I have drawn a blank because uh, unfortunately both Paul and Charlie got skittled within about 15 minutes of each other. Now Wilfred, you've got Jasmine <laughs> and Harry. And Harry, you've got mm. a double, a double-double. You're doing pretty well.
4: Guaranteed one of them in the final fi- final near enough by watching. I think that one of them will get in the final.
3: Yeah, I see that too. Let's go over to you, little Ryan. You have lost Miles, but yeah. who was your faithful? My faithful was Molly. Right, well, there you go. So you could well be in the final as well.
2: I suspect I'll be in the final. I think Molly can make it far. She's not a target. She's not being accused. She could make it really far.
3: I'm highly impressed, guys. Three of our six are still in the last eight out of 22. It's very, very good. You know, I'm, I'm just glad to see you guys are doing better than me. And I'll be willing to give up the, the trophy. You know, whoever of you beats me, just through sheer luck, of course, not skill. Um, I'll gladly inscribe your name on it.
2: I would just like the producers to remember who's making good predictions and who's not when it's time to cast for the Traders All-Stars. Uh, you get my email address. <laughs>
3: I've blocked your email address. Uh,
2: so that's the first recurring segment. We'll get to your second one about how we think this ends at the end of the episode. But first, I want to chat about the other significant downfall of this series paul mm. paul is gone it's interesting because in a way it almost feels like he cracked under a tiny bit of pressure you know like he just like he started off decently enough and in the last few episodes before his demise, it just went downhill and towards the end he was just it, there. just wasn't anything he could say really he was facing a very forensic um harry you know the cursed armor of uh, Ardros castle he just couldn't he really couldn't fight back. And Harry started strong the night before. He was like, oh, do you think there's two traitors going at each other? Um, Harry maybe panicked a bit more because Charles misreported that conversation in the car. And that's what made him go, oh shit, I've got to fire the first shot. And Harry went for Paul. They could have lasted longer. I don't know. It's a great, it's a great downfall. It's very Shakespearean. How did you feel
3: about this, Ivan? It's such a shame that, In the show, it looks like the whole elimination of Paul is attributed to this weird conversation that sort of happened, but sort of didn't happen. Because actually, as you say, he was there round table the day before whispering to Zach, that's two traitors, isn't it? And Zach was like, yeah, totally brilliant. Let's go for them. And so, and and he was mentioning Paul a lot. And I, I, yeah, it's annoying that the thing that eventually led to him going full, like honey roast ham on that guy was this weird car conversation He had it in hand and I think Paul had done it to himself with that ridiculous him versus miles um, Mm. battle. Um, And I, you know, it's funny seeing Harry do it and having to do it because Harry clearly went out of his comfort zone. He did an amazing job at lancing Paul, but did the same made the same mistake Paul made. So it was good. Harry did well, Harry prevailed, but I don't think he did so with totally clean hands.
4: Yeah, I think I agree Um, One thing that really annoyed me, actually, similar to you, is it happened to me um, with Kieran. So Kieran was fully in on the traitor role, right? We was going to partner up. But then you see him, and that's when he starts losing it and comes into the dining room, the breakfast room, and starts going, you better not go for me. And That was the first of him. That was the first thing. Um, But yeah, it was similar. Harry already was planting little seeds here and there, and... I think it was a great play. I think the only mistake he really made was putting way too much detail in it when I think people were going to vote for him anyway.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think, as you saw, Ivan, the interesting part is, I think the stage when he was saying, oh, maybe two traders are going to each other, he was just planting seeds at that stage. I think he was just getting his ammunition ready. He was just loading up the gun. He wasn't going to fire until a fair bit later, until that conversation. I think that conversation was sort of the trigger. That's what made him pull the trigger. Um it's a shame um equally i think uh, the country the nation as a whole needed to see uh, paul go it was it healed the nation
3: paul's exit was phenomenal as well i mean it reminded me i've been doing my shakespeare thing this week but it reminded me of Puck at the end of, of Midsummer night's dream It's going to be if perchance we have offended think but this and all this mended. just the idea that like it, it's it's yeah okay i'm sorry if i hurt your feelings but also i'm a traitor and now i'm going to bow cuz actually i'm just going to remind you guys it's just a game. Yeah. And actually, in this case, it's just a play. He was like, I played my role. I did it. And now I'm gone. And once I'm gone, you'll blink and it's done. And, and then real life will be the same. It's just a dream. You know? And yeah. I, just, oh, I just thought it was lovely. I thought it was really, it was a nice touch.
4: When I was speaking to Paul last week, he said to me he, he wanted to make his faithfuls, the ones that loved him the most, feel even worse by... Like, before he revealed himself, he brushed his hands across their back and, like, their arms when he walked towards the circle. And to make them feel even guiltier, like, oh, my God, we've made a mistake. Just, he said just to do it. I was like, you're evil, man. <laughs> he loved it.
2: Troll. <laughs> I guess the, the question for me, Wilf, is if you've met Paul, uh, did you make sure to take the fingerprint sample we talked about? <laughs>
4: yeah, I did. I took DNA, everything. He's actually just a nice guy. He seems like he just wanted to go and play a really evil role. About him getting ten on Deal or No Deal, and that was the start of him being a super villain.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that that makes sense. Uh, before I ask you about then how the game is going to end, uh, one big question about the task. Interesting task once again. Episode uh, seven, the funeral. Great fun, very camp. I enjoyed this. Um, it was it was good fun Uh, honestly
3: it was brilliant I was gonna say um having a themed episode is really fascinating like yes it's camp but it was like noir and like you know Claudia comes in wearing her funeral gear and they all go okay oh I get the vibe of today and they stay in that funeral gear for the round table as well so that whole episode felt special it felt like a a Christmas special, but this time it's a funeral special. Like, I'm more of that. Like, like really, honestly, more of that. Um, But also the thing that's so good about that mission is that it's got everything. It's got chances to, like, watch out for traitors and watch out for traitorous behaviour. It's got lots and lots of different things. And it directly led to a banishment. Oh, my God. More, 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 more of that. It was so good. This is what the show should be like every episode.
4: Yeah, I really liked how they interlinked everything in one episode. I think it was brilliant. And it was sort of, yeah, poison, and she's not going to die straight away. I love that. And then put that, put everyone, like, when they came in, it was brilliant to watch the traitors come in and be like, why the fuck is Diane here? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. What the fuck did we do wrong? It was really, really cool. And I thought it was so funny. I don't know how they kept straight faces. I would have cracked up at the choir. I would have been laughing my head off. The <laughs> Oh, What's going on?
2: <laughs> it was quite funny as well, because Evie, obviously, is from Inverness, and so she recognised one of the singers in that crowd. It was somebody she went to school with.
3: So that's Azabelle from school. I couldn't see anything, but it was Azabelle from school. <laughs> it was so
2: good. You know what? Because like, I always thought the locals could have a great advantage in this game, because I remember when we did one of these missions, obviously in Scotland you can just roam around. Like, So one day, one of these missions, I was upside down on the wheel and there was just this lady just walking her dog back there with like she actually had a really cute like labrador and she was just walking her dog while we're like while next to her were like a bunch of cameras and wheel going throwing people upside down it's just like i forget that this is actually like scotland this isn't a set
3: that may have been Lady Margaret Ardross,
2: by the way. You know,
3: that could have been the, the 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 ghost, the long dead ghost of Ardross Castle.
2: Well, she had a really cute ghost Labrador then. <laughs>
3: well, she was, yeah. She was eat. Her face was eaten by her dog. That's how she died. So that probably it was is Lady Margaret. Yeah, Lady Margaret Ardross. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: Um, and the other point I want to say on the challenges is they stitched up poor Zach saw it like it was going to be an archery game the guy was like it's archery then give him the weakest pistol which is like some wooden torque out of a cereal box <laughs> obviously he couldn't shoot this shit nobody could they lost thousands in there they stitched my man
3: they just went, they just like, yeah, it was so weird. They're like, oh, let's get a crossbow. Yeah, let's put it in a church. Hang on, the vicar's there. Like, no, you can't, hang on. You can't put a crossbow in a church. A, that's a ballista. And B, you, know, you can't do that. So they got the tiniest nerf gun and just like set it up on the lectern and were like, come on, fire this. It was like the knockoff ones, you know what I mean? It just went... <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, the sound effects were were ridiculous, uh, but so that's the challenge. And then the challenge in episode nine, we've seen not much to be said about this. I just want to know how did they
3: build these tunnels? Yeah, were well, the tunnels there when last year? Because like that house is the same, unless the house can be moved. Yeah, what the? How, how did that
2: happen? Who was who was down there digging tunnels? If you work for the BBC and you know, tell us in the comments.
4: They must have just rebuilt it and somehow built tunnels. I'm, I'm not a tunnel. La.
2: So, you're not, you not, oh i thought you were a tunneler. oh right right then we go live to ivan brett for his final recurring segment the question that really we want to ask i mean we've touched on whether the face was actually have a chance uh, the game being stacked uh, but i guess it makes the question who's winning ivan up to you
3: what i'm trying to ask you here is um with everything we know with all the theories with all the alliances with all the people who like the people who have like you know vendettas how does it play out from here so let, let me let me pause it A a potential outcome, starting from here. Tell me where I'm going wrong. Tell me what you think I've missed. Okay, so episode 10, I think that Harry reveals his shield. Suspicion falls on Jasmine, and Jasmine is banished. But then, because she's a faithful, they're not going to keep looking at that particular theory. I think Evie is murdered, episode 10. Episode 11, I think um, Molly eventually comes, thinks about Harry's overdue murder. I think Ross jumps on the bandwagon, and Harry is maybe banished, episode 11. I think there's no murder. That means episode. That means episode twelve is Andrew, uh, Ross, Zach, Jazz, and Molly. I think they go for Ross. They get a second traitor, meaning they do not think to look for another one. So I think Andrew at the fire pit goes unseen. Uh, I think they all vote to finish the game, and Andrew wins alone. That's my prediction. What do you guys think?
4: I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I've just bought into that. I know it sounds like a proper cop, cop out, but. I do feel like Harry, there's going to be another downfall. I can feel it in the way it's edited. And I feel that Molly will be the one because she's the one who was talking about, um, yeah, he knew loads. And you can see the cogs are there making it. And it's just not, it's not spinning yet to tell her that actually he shouldn't know too much about that. And then Jazz is there who already got suspicions on Harry. So, and he won't let it go. He will just cruise it till it's the right time. And then when Molly mentions it, because he's mentioned it people already, then the the majority will go for it. And I think Ross and Andrew will jump on it as well because Andrew, he's not really liking Harry's gameplay anyway. I think you're pretty right in terms of banishments. I think, like, as much as I don't want my two to go, I think it sounds about right. And I do think Andrew's going to win. I don't know why. I think when he came in, when the whole Miles thing happened and stuff, the way it was shown of him being quite a weak traitor it just makes sense for him to rise above.
3: Yeah, it wouldn't feel like a massively satisfying ending, but also I think they'd make it good. I think they'd redeem him. They'd show him doing some cool stuff. They'd show him, like, capitalizing on the downfall of both of the traitors. And I think it's a story of survival. Ryan, what do you think,
2: mate? Uh, I actually sort of agree with the outcome, which is that Andrew is probably winning this. Uh, Maybe not the way we get there. Uh, I think Molly is very much in a sort of, like, Hannah and Will, for even Meryl and Will situation, where I just do not think she will ever see through Harry. She will not vote for him. So I don't think she'll be the downfall. I think eventually Jazz is going to realize we're getting close to the end. He's going to take a punt. He's going to bring the Zach with him. Ross will agree because he'll want to avenge um, his mom. And it's the easiest way to do so without exposing himself. Andrew will do so as well because Andrew doesn't like, um, doesn't like Harry really at this stage. And that will be sort of like his downfall um he overexposed himself that'll be his mistake then from that point how we go from there is i think um faithful straight to sort of fire each other there's not going to be um much until episode 12 in episode 12 i think that's the point where they get uh onto somebody like ross um there'll be some collateral damage in the face along the way probably maybe zach uh somebody like this eventually they get ross uh i don't think ross could defend himself at the round table, we've known he's not—he's nice, but he's not the most impressive faithful. I don't think he'll manage to defend himself in any helpful meaningful way at the round table. He'll go out quite quickly. He might even crumble there. Uh, he'll be gone. And then I do not think they will realise he's not a traitor because, once again, the game's been stacked. They will never expect that there will have been six traitors in the game. And for that reason, Andrew will take the win.
4: Do you think we could possibly see um, a recurring Siri Factor. if harry gets to the final in terms of i've played this game really well actually i want to win this by myself
3: yes absolutely if harry and andrew get to the final fire pit harry is absolutely doing andrew over the only question is if andrew does the same i don't think andrew can survive a fire pit when harry's there i just don't think harry's making the fire pit
2: i think the only scenario where there's two traitors left in the final is ross and andrew in even then I'm not 100% sure they won't backstab each other but I think if Harry is at the five pit there will be some infighting and it could actually be the only thing that means the faceful win
4: I can see Harry Harry Andrew Molly and Zach I can see that I can see that as a final not, not as likely as the final that um, Ivan Ivan mentioned though
2: Well uh we'll find out whether any of us were correct in a few days won't we
1: yeah. We will We will
2: right in which case, we'll be back very soon uh, to discuss the last three episodes of the Traitors UK. You're going to want to stick around as well, because we will very soon be talking to our favourite players. we we'll want to have a chat with them, talk about the adventures, how they felt about the game, the trauma, and all the fun they had in the game. We'll be there very soon. There will be more on It's Just a Game, chatting about the Traitors UK. But first, we'll see you in a few days for the final. If you like the podcast and you know what to do, Give us a little comment, a five-star review, share on Twitter, tag us on social media. I love the tweets, I'm not going to lie. Just give us a bit of love. It's always really helpful. Really appreciate it. Now, so many of you have joined us to chat about the Traitors UK in the past few weeks. Tell your friends about this. We want more of you to join us. We want to know about your theories. Who you think is going to win? Tell us. Tell us all about it. DM me. I want to hear about it.
3: Yeah, we've got some exciting guests lined up. We've already had a few chats. We've got some really, really cool people who are ready to come on the show now my name is
2: ryan you can follow me on instagram and twitter at Zosync. you need to let in
4: my name's will you can follow me at emergency noodles my name's
3: <laughs> That's right. he he's holding even... a pack of noodles he's eating them like a biscuit <laughs> My name's Ivan, you can follow me at Snorting the powder after the raw noodles And from all
2: us here Say <laughs> you next week and goodbye, goodbye
1: Chicken goodbye. <laughs> Oh my Goodbye <laughs>